Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for April 29th is 1 Chronicles chapters 7 through 10. Another dive into more genealogies or a continuation of a massive genealogy, it could be argued, perhaps. And I have to be honest and say I didn't always love the genealogies. And even now, like, they're not my favorite part. I prefer the stories often. But the genealogies do us a great favor. And they lend credence to the idea that this isn't a book of fairy tales. These people were writing down their names, their father's names, their grandfather's names, their sisters' and mothers' names in many cases, their children's names. And intermixed in these genealogies are stories about God's miracle-working power and lots of the amazing things that God did. If somebody was going to write a fake book about a fake God and try to pass it off as real, I don't think they would take the time to include their entire family tree in it. Just thinking, just thinking out loud. Doesn't make sense. So this book, Chronicles, was perhaps written by Ezra. Now we'll read Ezra later, the book of Ezra. But so far we've read books and writings from David. We've heard from Saul as a character. Ezra, Joshua, Moses, and some other writers that we don't really know for certain who they were, like the book of Job. And we've got all of these writers spanning a thousand or more years now, maybe 1,500 or even more years. And they're all describing God in the same way. They're all attributing the same events to this personal God. Now, it just gives credence. It shows us that there are a lot of people who feel the same way, who believe the same stories, people who experience them, and people who are very close to those who experience them. Now, you could say, it could be argued, that these people all lied. They all got in it together, and that's that's possible, right? Because there are other false religions out there. I mean, I shouldn't say that. There are other religions out there who I personally feel like are false or based on lies. But there's lots of people, millions of people, who believe in these other religions that I don't believe. But if you look at, like, Islam, for instance, and I love, I love the Muslim people. I love the Hindu people. I love the atheist people. And God does too, right? All of them. All of these other religions didn't come about based on historical writings from dozens of different people from spanning hundreds or more than a thousand years. The Bible is unique that way. You know, Muhammad started Islam. He, he was one guy. He said that an angel appeared to him. Paul wrote to the Galatians, even if an angel appears to you preaching another gospel, don't believe him, let him be accursed. 
So Christianity is really set apart. The Bible in particular is very set apart from all the other world religion books and writings for those reasons. Now, I think it's also important to think about if you were going to make up a, a book of fairy tales, would you put your family tree in there? I mean, if you were the child who received this book and your dad was crazy and had written all these fairy tales down, would you copy it and make copies and memorize it? It just doesn't make sense. So for those reasons, I think the genealogies really give a lot of credence to Jewishness and to Christianity. Chapter 7, verse 20. The men of Gath, born in the land, killed them, Ephraim's descendants, because they went down to raid their cattle. Don't steal. Don't steal. Don't go and pick fights that you can't finish. Lots of great stories. A couple other things that I just wanted to say real quick. Now, there are lots of different versions of the Bible, translations, right? There are lots of different manuscripts and schools of thought. I have been reading this year primarily from the Christian Standard Bible. The reason that I like it is there's two basic different schools of thought, historically speaking, when you when Bibles are being translated into English. One is the word for word. Uh, so like when you're translating from Hebrew or from Greek to English, Take the literal definition of each and every word and translate it into English. The problem is there's not always a great word for translation. The second problem is it doesn't take into account idioms and um, phrases and similes and some of those different things. You know, there, there might be, for instance, when we say, I use this example all the time, when we say it's raining cats and dogs, if I translate that into Hebrew, and speak that to people on the street in Israel, they'd look at me like I was crazy. Like, what are, you, what are you writing a cartoon? I mean, cats and dogs falling from the sky? What are you talking about? It just wouldn't make sense. And the same is true often when you're translating from Hebrew, especially thousands of years ago, to today's English. So there's another school of thought that says we should translate thought for thought. So what did the original author intend to communicate? And let's write that. And so there's a variance. There's, there's two different schools of thought. The CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, I'm not saying it's better at all. I, I love the ESB. I love the NASB. I love the NIV to an extent. I mean, there's some, some things that, I, and there's some things that I would disagree with in all of them. And that's okay because that's what makes Christianity great. We all have our different opinions because God reveals different things to us. And I'm sure I'm wrong on some things. The CSB tries to take the word for word and the thought for thought and merge the two. And when there's a discrepancy, they'll put a footnote down at the bottom. Now, I've said a lot. I've not said a lot in particular about 1 Chronicles 7 through 10. But we believe, I shouldn't say we, many scholars believe that this book was written by Ezra. We've heard from Ezra, the prophet, potentially. 
Joshua, if he did indeed write Joshua, Moses, who may have written, written the Pentateuch, as most people believe he did, the first five books of the Bible. We've heard from David, the sons of Asaph, the sons of Korah, many other psalmists. Some of the psalms are um, anonymous to an extent. We don't know who wrote them. But the central theme throughout all is that God is the creator. God is the author of life. His name is Yahweh or Jehovah, but he appeared personally to many different people, most notably Abraham and Moses and a few others. He's got rules for us to live by, and when we abide by them, things tend to go well for us. And when we don't, things tend to go less well for us. And one of the overarching themes is that God holds accountable all of mankind, that none of us will escape his justice. And so we thank him. We are grateful that we have a redeemer, a God who saves, who sent his one and only son to live for us, to die for us, to raise from the grave, to come back to life, for us, conquering sin, conquering death, and giving us an eternal hope. And it's in him we place our hope, our faith, our trust. He is our only hope, our only claim to righteousness is Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. And on that, my friends, God bless you. May he increase your faith and mine as we seek him together. Thank you for being here with me, and we'll see you tomorrow.